0: Hello, everyone, and welcome into Inside LAFC Podcast, a very special Western Conference Final Edition. I am Max Bretos. We have a great show for you, as we'll be joined by Steve Cangelosi, who will be calling the LAFC-Houston Dynamo game with Danny Higginbotham. He is with MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. We'll talk about the huge win over Seattle, preview the Dynamo game, and the MLS Cup playoffs. And we will ask, where will LAFC stand if they continue this run in the big forum of great MLS clubs all time. Very interesting answer to that question. Maxime Crapo, seven massive saves in Seattle, also joins the podcast. We'll talk about that game, the game plan, and how he and the team is preparing for the Houston Dynamo and Saturday night and a chance to go to back-to-back MLS Cups. This is Inside LEFC Podcast. Rate, review, download, subscribe. Tell a friend, the show starts right now. We are here on Inside LAFC podcast and honored to bring in one of the great voices of Major League Soccer. And I know some of the hockey fans are out there going to be pumped to see the great Steve Cangelosi, part of MLS Season Pass on Apple TV, joining us here. uh, Steve. Out there on the East Coast, we'll be calling LAFC and Houston Dynamo this Saturday. Welcome to the program, Steve.
1: Max, it is so good to chat MLS Cup with you, potentially. Conference final, definitely. And this is going to be, believe it or not, the first time I call a game at BMO Stadium. So I'm excited about that. Now, I attended MLS Cup final last year at the bank, so I know what the atmosphere is like. And you have to understand, you and I come from that same tree of regional broadcasts, right? So every time LAFC played the Red Bulls, those games were always on national television, and I was a spectator (laughs) for them. But to be in the chair for this is very special, as you might imagine. (laughs)
0: I would always do that when we check out the schedule and you'd see the Red Bulls. I go, that one's going to be on ESPN or Fox, so plan accordingly. But I didn't know that, Steve. We're going to have to roll out the red carpet. We'll have to give you the grand tour.
1: Yeah, Danny Higginbottom and I have been predominantly in the Eastern Conference, but we've done LAFC this year uh, on the road exclusively, so this will be a bit different. And obviously, with what's at take, the excitement is going to be jacked up to a very different level. Steve and Danny have done so many
0: great games uh, and have a great perspective of the league and so many of the clubs uh, from Inter-Miami and Messi now all the way out here on the West Coast. So he's a great resource. We're thrilled to have him. And uh, I guess a a good jumping off point here, Steve, would be is how LAFC got here. We we, We latch on to these big games because the league is still so new. Look, we have FC Cincinnati, in Season 4, attempting to make their first MLS Cup. St. Louis City finished first in their first year. So if we can get some history, it's it's very important in my estimation. I'm sure you would agree. And then LAFC Seattle hyped up because of the that very history we talk about in the postseason because of the success that these two clubs have had. It was raucous. Uh, as you prepare, you've seen that, that game and, the expectations, and just to see a game like that, where this league is going, how important are there and how much do you think that game lived up to the expectations that we attach to it?
1: I think it lived up to the billing, and I think the wonderful thing for LAFC and its supporters and the team, obviously, is that you get the result that you need and you finally get that weight off your back at playoff time in Seattle, and I think LAFC did that without playing the game that it really did want to play. You can argue that with the exception of the goal and for big pockets of the game, they were second best on the night, but nobody's going to remember that, Max. What you're going to remember is the marvelous play by the best pure goal scorer in Major League Soccer, and that clearly is Denny Buwanga. the wonderful sense of recognition by Oliveira on that play to let the ball go, and a goalkeeper, Maxime Crepo, who wants to stand tall at the end of MLS Cup this time, coming off what can only be described as a legendary performance. So, you know, you look at a team that's trying to repeat, and we've only had these isolated instances in the 28-year history of MLS of teams successfully repeating. D.C. did it years ago. Houston did it a while ago back uh, uh, beat uh, 2006 and 2007. But I think if you're going to do it, then in the second year, You need to tweak just enough to make it fresh the second time around. And I think we're seeing an LAFC team that's doing that in this postseason with a bigger role for Chiellini, with Buonga, of course, and I think LAFC fans would hope to its conclusion with Crapo in goal this time and nothing along the lines of the disappointing way he exited the final last year.
0: Steve, that's a great way to look at it. And, and now you've got me thinking as well because of the difference between, we'll talk about where this club stands with what they did in 2022 and what they did in 2023. But you're right. Giorgio Chiellini's expanded role. Uh, some new pieces, obviously, Kike Olobeda, uh, uh, you know Timothy Tillman. And it, it's a, it's a certainly a testament to how in MLS, either you have to adjust or you'd want to adjust because the league may not allow you to stand pat in many ways with the same team. And so a lot of credit to Steve Chironolo, John Thornton, among others, to get this team ready for a different run, even though it's a, a little bit different, but some, maybe more than a little bit different than the team that won it all in 2022. Uh, I wanted to just touch, your, pick your brain also on the way they did it. Again, yes, yeah, Seattle had the possession, had the chances. This is a much different LAFC than the one that came in, which was, you know, a certain style and this is the way we play. But just being, just coming up with a game plan that absolutely worked for Steve Cherundolo. I mean, what does it say about what the, what the coaching staff is being able to do to, to obviously come in here a little differently than maybe the LAFC you'd be accustomed to seeing, but get the all-important result? As you said, no one's going to remember down the road how you got to the Western Conference Final.
1: Well, I think the adjustments by this coaching staff, even mid-season, are something that's worth talking about. I remember one of my old, older conversations this year with Steve Sharondalov and we talked about the arrival of Mario Gonzalez, believe it or not, at the time. And I remember him making a point to us that this is our first true nine since Chicho Arango. And I remember, I believe this was in advance of uh, a road loss that they had at Charlotte earlier this year, if you remember that game. yeah, a tough one. he was telling us that this is a different element. And here we are playing the biggest games of the year, LAFC, still without this true number nine. Now, again, we're going to couch this a different way, right? Because Denny Bawanga, again, is far and away the best pure goal scorer in this league and righteously the golden boot winner. But the attack works with the three that they use up top. I think that on balance, this, you can make an argument, is still the best or 1A in terms of talent. And in terms of maturity, how they're ready for the moment. And I think that was a big part of them surviving the night at Lumen Field on Saturday, Max, or Sunday, excuse me. And I think that is something that has tremendous importance as these games get bigger. The road victory, I think, carries a lot of weight now as you move forward, potentially into MLS Cup, because we know the East will host it this year.
0: Get some practice of winning away, which LAFC didn't have to do in 2023. They're going to have to do it in 2023. Not this weekend. We'll talk about that game. But did it last weekend. And we know for sure we'll have to do it in either Cincinnati or Columbus if they advance. You you mentioned the very short list of teams that were able to repeat. And, you know, D.C. United did it in the infancy of the league. We, we didn't know what we really had. It was 10 teams at the time. The Dynamo also, which was really just took us by surprise, you know, by the skin of their teeth, still did it. And, you know, I don't want to take anything away about that accomplishment. I would throw what Seattle and Toronto did during that stretch. Mm -hmm. Some great teams. And we don't want to put the cart before the horse. Don't want to jinx it. But looking at what this LAFC team has done, the historical significance of being able to Make the run in 2022. Let's say they they make the run. Let's say they get pretty close. Where would you put this club in these two years and what they've been able to accomplish in the big picture uh, over the years in Major League Soccer?
1: I think you have to look at it as the best six-year entry into MLS of any team in the history of this league. And I don't understand how anybody really dances around that I'm probably going to get some pushback here from some of the old timers who want to go back to the late 90s and know what Bruce Arena did with three championships in the first three years. But we are in a new age of MLS, Max, where it's much harder to win now than it was almost three decades ago. The basic math tells us it's much harder to win because we're living in this age now where 29 teams are competing in the league. But if you look at a body of work, a first six years at MLS, if they do get this done, it would be two MLS Cups. It would be two supporter shields. It would be a run to CONCACAF Champions League final. Having done that with tweaks to the nucleus, three different golden boot winners and two different head coaches. That's a heck of an entry into any league in the world. And if they do get this done, and I'll go one step further, if they push this as far as the final, I think that's where that conversation can begin. It's been that special, and in many ways, they have been the envy of MLS. And to do that as a second team that enters the Los Angeles market, I think make this all the more admirable for what they've done out there. (laughs) It's a charmed life.
0: There's no doubt about it. And, you know, this team, is. it's been, it's received its criticism. It had this loaded calendar, and it's still looking for its first trophy. They'll get a chance to do that this weekend, get a Western Conference trophy for all their efforts. But it, I think it just goes to show how difficult it is to do. Maybe um, elaborate on what we're seeing here, because we've seen this league evolve. But to well, to see what the Champions League and the league's Cup. It is is it's it's even more challenging to think to have a team that could be trading above water. There,
1: I remember Bruce Arena, maybe twelve to fifteen years ago, uh, being asked about the great teams of that particular time, and he was a staunch defender of the teams that he coached in DC, basically looking at you crookedly and saying, "Look." I had 10 national team players on my club at that time in the old days at D.C. Nobody else had anything close to that. And they were on form and based on results, the best team in MLS at the time. Well, here we are now. Just think about what we witnessed in the recent international window, Max, Uh, in uh, uh, the, the window that just passed. We had more than 100 players in MLS depart at that time to play for their national teams during that window. That is a remarkable number, and it is reflective of the quality of the league today as opposed to where it was a dozen years ago or 28 years ago. It's a better league. The TAM and GAM signings have made this a better league. The South American influx of players over the last couple of decades has made this a stronger league. It's harder to win now, and when you do it as consistently as LAFC has done, that is a big, big box that they've checked.
0: <laughs> and we, we get the feeling that that's going to even expand. I believe this is game 51 coming up this week, or 52 for LSG, just to put, because that was, you know, back in the day, that was science fiction, Steve. You know, yeah. to think that you would get 40 games, let alone 50, but that's where we are. The league is adapting, and certainly LAFC is ahead of the curve with that.
1: So there's so much that you can unravel with that, right? Uh, I-, I called the Philadelphia Cincinnati game over the last weekend in the conference final and uh, the conference semifinals, excuse me. And I realized very late in my preparation for that match, Andre Blake was playing his 50th game of the year for club and country, okay? And Philadelphia as a team played in excess of 50 games, but not only that, Max, go back to MLS Cup last year. The LAFC-Philadelphia game last year was game 38 for the Union. Their season ended. So look at all of the extra load that was put on the wear and tear of the players this season. It's a different day and age now in MLS. And it's harder to navigate these stretches in the buildup to this game on Saturday night. I'm sure you and your audience is going to hear a lot about how Houston swept LAFC twice playing in a four-day span. That was also a time when LAFC was navigating a portion of the schedule where, if my math is right, they played eight times in 25 nights. If you're going to forgive a hiccup in the schedule, that's probably a pocket where you give the players and coaches that kind of latitude. They'll be looking to avenge that Houston was very good in those games, but I'm being very careful about how much to read into those results in advance of Saturday
0: night. Let me, you, you mentioned Houston. I'm going to, I'm going to jump to that game. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll push some of these other topics a little further down, but with the Houston dynamo, you mentioned that. And again, LAFC are aware of what happened. That was a bitter pill to lose to the Dynamo twice over that short span. I know for a fact that Ben Olsen and the Dynamo are aware that that was a different LAFC team, and he will be expecting a whole different challenge there. But this is still a Dynamo team that have made the Western Final when nobody expected. Uh, they, they hadn't made the playoffs in 2017. on On its own merits, this is an incredible story, and shouldn't be diminished because of uh, what LFC has in front of them. And this I, so, I going to be a tough believe, one.
1: I can't believe we're talking about Ben Olsen doing this in a short amount of time because uh, you know this, Max. This was not the sexy hire. This was criticized in sure. many circles as – a retread, someone who overstayed his welcome at D.C. United, a uh, former World Cup teammate of Steve Shirundalo, by the way. Just a footnote as we build up that game on Saturday night. Uh, here's my doubt about Houston in this game. And don't get me wrong, they might play wonderfully, and there is no result Saturday night that's going to knock me off my chair. But when you look at the strength of this Houston team, uh, it, it, it's, its strength is in the midfield. And how much... Will that play to their strength out of possession in this game? Because even in those matches that we alluded to earlier, the two losses that LAFC suffered, LAFC lost those games still dominant in possession on the night. And this is a totally different dynamic for Houston on the heels of a wonderful win against Sporting KC. I know there was a bit of controversy with the alleged handball, but they were the better team on the night. But now you're walking into a situation where you're going into a hostile environment. Number one, and I think all of us would agree they're going to be playing the game out of possession for much of the night. So Ben Olson, to this point, who's done this wonderful job, this to me by far is the most challenging quest for him this year in 2023.
0: And like to, as you pointed out, it's going to be a different look, LaFC. It's not going to be a little more. Uh conservative offensively team against the Sounders. I, I think we expect them to get hold of this, certainly because they're playing at home and playing against an opponent they're expected to beat. And the sports books expect LAFC to win this game, but the Dynamo are here, as we said, and I believe the LAFC at this point are probably going to get, I think most people will pick LAFC in this game. But what makes this Dynamo team dangerous? I, obviously, Hector Herrera, much like LAFC, building around this Mexican legend, they have done that. He is all-encompassing. It's a different Hector Herrera than we've seen playing in Europe because he has so much more responsibility. You mentioned mm-hmm. the midfield, and, and Coco Karaski is a tremendous player. And look, if if it goes to penalties, they've had experience. I mean, knock on wood, we'll see penalties. We, we Everyone's going to be very nervous at that point. But they have a team because they saw penalties in the playoffs already, and they saw mm-hmm. penalties in League Cup.
1: Steve Clark won a game in League's Cup in penalty shootout, so there's a slight feather in his cap there. I'm not going to put the cart before the horse because I think all of us agree once it gets to that point, anything can happen unless Tim Milly is involved, right? Uh, but again, these are a couple of teams that I expect to give us a very, very competitive game on Saturday night. Herrera is something special, and I think that when you look at Ben Olsen, of all the things – that he's done this year getting Hector Herrera to buy in in the manner in which he's done is near the top of the list this was somebody who was openly frustrated towards the tail end of last season playing in meaningless games obviously for a coach Paulo Nagamora who was on the way out you have a player who expressed regrets about leaving Europe about you know longing for the so old true, yeah. days of competing in Champions League and yet You suddenly have this person who I thought warranted some MVP consideration, and by that I mean maybe top four or five in the voting I thought would be proper for Hector Herrera. Someone who takes corner kicks off two different feet, and I think this is somebody who is nothing short of a special player. He's going to have to ratchet it up to a different level on Saturday night. Again, my skepticism, Matt, is that the game is going to lend itself to that for Hector Herrera, but we'll find out
0: think i had him third i mean maybe that's a bit of a jump in my mls uh uh mvp voting but but well, let's talk a little bit about the end of season awards because they've sure. all come out and we've heard it you know lucho acosta is going to be the mvp we had our best 11 denny buonga was on there and um i wanted to see a, a fullback on there and chiqui palacios would have been a great diego chiqui Palacios would have been a great option they didn't get there but with regards to the m hector herrera was on that best 11 as well uh with regards to the MLS MVP, and I voted for Lucho Acosta, um, mm-hmm. Denny Buwanga, we spoke to Sasha Kleschian last week, and uh, with everything he did, it, you have to take into consideration the goals that he scored. This incredible tally happened outside of MLS, in, in addition to MLS, I should say, uh, and that is not the criteria that we take into consideration for MLS MVP vote. Some people still felt he could have given it a run. When you look at those two guys, and they were clearly the top two, uh, not only in the voting, but in perception, uh, was it closer, do you think, in many people's eyes, or did, uh, was Lucho really the guy uh, to get the nod here?
1: I voted for Lucho, so let's get that out of the way. Uh, yes. <laughs> Full transparency I, here on this pod. No, and that's fine, but Buonga was right there for me, Okay. The voting is a very complicated, imperfect thing. And I think it's important for people to understand that. Because, Max, you talked about the criteria. We're supposed to base these awards only on what took place, the contribution of that player within the structure of MLS. But- What I've learned is that a lot of people just go rogue on their own. That's why Leonel Messi got support for Newcomer (laughs) of the Year, okay? And I understand people going rogue to a degree, okay? Because how do you separate the two? everything that Denny Buonga contributes to this team from the moment they first kick a ball in February to the last game he plays, which I know your fans hope is December 9th, is greatly affected by everything that he does in all competitions. That's just not me talking. That's a fact. If he plays A League's Cup game one day, and it's preceded four days earlier by an MLS game or a U.S. Open Cup match, it obviously affects everything that he'll do within the confines of MLS. So it's never going to be perfect. Uh, The one thing I will say, Lucho plays a position that is conducive to making everyone around him better. So when you have a number 10, that's in the conversation with a pure goal scorer, and the numbers are equally impressive, I always think the advantage is going to go to the midfielder in that situation.
0: We we might get a chance to see these two go at it December 9th. We shall right. see. Yeah. We, we, which would be just an incredible uh, subplot to uh, an incredible season. All due respect to Columbus and Houston, they could get there too. They've been exceptional. Do you think we should there should be consideration because of the way people vote, and like I said, if someone said, I voted for Lionel Messi and you you could have a conversation with them and mm-hmm. they'll give you a great points as to why they did it. They said, oh, well, he made a huge impact here and here. I get it. Correct. Do you think there would be I I doubt it would ever happen, but w- would you be open to hearing adjusting those kind of awards to include more than just what we saw in MLS?
1: Uh oh boy that that that's a terrific question. Uh and, and it's probably and, and a difficult like, one. Rate, but, you know, who's had more of an impact on this league in 2023 than Lionel Messi? I mean, so let's yeah. let, let's get Sorry. real. When you use the word newcomer, you are opening the door to an expanded definition of what that is. So I could see that as a possibility, Max. Uh again, The workload of these players next year is going to be tremendous. And I know we're not here to talk about Messi, but let me just use this as an example, okay? Have you looked at what he's balancing next year? He's balancing a full schedule of league games. He's balancing Argentina and World Cup qualifying. He's balancing Copa America in all likelihood. He's balancing CONCACAF Champions Cup. He's balancing League's Cup. He's balancing U.S. Open Cup, although I doubt he'll get into an Open Cup game unless Miami gets to a semifinal or a final. You're looking at an unprecedented workload potentially. So right away, I can tell you, Lionel Messi's numbers or any player who is in that top tier in Major League Soccer, those numbers are going to be greatly affected in MLS because they are asked to do other things in many competitions on different scales. So to some degree, yeah. I think we have to start factoring into that. And good on you for bringing up the fullbacks on best eleven. Okay, my ballot. In all honesty, you want transparency. I'll give it to bring you. Bring it. Again. Bring it, Steve. I have fullbacks. Okay, Palacios was right there for me. But the truth is, Brooks Lennon was my right back, and Kai Wagner was my left back. I yeah, had but... fullbacks in uh, a four three three. Max, I love it. And by Alvaro Badial, who
0: could be classified as a fullback yes. too, not on there. So I mean. It, we need to certainly look at that and cause we need fullbacks. If you wanted an 11, that's going to actually compete. If ever these best 11s played against another best 11, I, I always think that too. Could they win a game? <laughs> but uh, I, by the way, I tried to get Denny Buonga the MVP vote, but if we kept everything into consideration, they would Buanga and Costa would probably be trailing Leo no Messi for the points that you made. And I have to start thinking about what this season's going to look like with Copa America. It's going to be
1: wow. Yeah. And I can hear the whispers from the West Coast. Ah, uh, your guest has probably just seen too much John Tolkien this year, so he's a little jaded. When it I love John Tolkien. To-
0: <laughs> John Tolkien was in consideration for me, too, so the West Coast is paying attention to the wonderful go. John Tolkien. There you go. Real quickly before uh, we park ways here, Steve, Saturday's going to be very special. The MLS Cup playoffs, we know about LAFC and the Dynamo. That's the nightcap starting at 6.30 local time. Uh, if you haven't got tickets, go to LAFC.com to check it out. You want to be there. It's going to be a, a historic night. Proceeding that, Cincinnati Columbus, it is a rivalry called L is Real. I would have never thought in a million years we would see it in an Eastern Final. This is certainly a game changer for a league, but we talked a lot about uh, LAFC and Houston and maybe just collectively that day. And We'll be busy at BMO Stadium, so we'll do our best to watch Cincinnati Columbus, but that and these are two teams you've covered. Uh, we look at how this season ended in the East and the West. I, you know, to, to sound a little cliche, I would imagine the folks in the MLS front offices could, couldn't could be much happier with how it ended.
1: Yeah, uh, TQL Stadium, I've had the pleasure of doing multiple games this year. It's a heck of a home field advantage, Max. Uh, and I think Columbus knows that clearly. Uh, this is a terrific Eastern Conference final. Uh, As we tape this, correct me if I'm wrong, we do not have a final determination on Matt Miazga's availability for that game. We're still waiting on it. Uh, And it, it might be answered by the time your listeners actually hear this interview. It's a big loss if he can't go. I understand Wolbedo is making progress. That would be a big addition from the team they fielded in the conference semifinal. But I'm looking at Wilfred Nancy and you give him full week of preparation, which he has. And I don't know that I have more faith in a coach to make proper Mm. adjustments in the lead-up to a game more than I have in Nancy at this point. Cucho, to me, is the third player in that conversation. We kind of couched the MVP race of Acosta and Bawanga, but he's been, if not the best player in the league over the last third of the year, something close to it. I'm going to take the Columbus crew by a razor's edge in this game. And Miazga's potential absence is kind of making me drift in that direction.
0: I I, I can't argue that. My issue with Columbus is they couldn't win on the road, but they did it last week. And if Wilfred Nazi, who is a guy to keep an eye on for bigger jobs, perhaps maybe the national team. I don't know. I just throw it out there. There's no connection, but he's that kind of talent. And he's, he's done it all in MLS. I like that. I haven't heard that too much. You have. Very good. I just think why. I mean, the guy knows the American game. We have faith in Greg Berhalter, but maybe the next cycle, Wilfred Nancy would be under control.
1: Tell you one thing he'll do, not to belabor this. He will take players out of their comfort zone, whether they like it or not. And the best ones will learn how to make make themselves stronger because of that.
0: Yes. We don't take anyone out of their comfort zone here, Steve. We get into that nice group and we have a nice (laughs) conversation. Great to chat with you. Have a great time at Bebo Stadium. I'll come by and say hello, and uh, hopefully we have a uh, historic, memorable game that they'll be talking about, just like in 2022, uh, there at that very stadium as well.
1: We're so looking forward to this, Max. See you Saturday. Steve
0: Cancellosi, Steve Cangelosi, Danny Higginbotham, on that call, you can be at the stadium. Try and watch both games. They're going to be fantastic, and we'll also see you, uh, if you can't make it to the stadium, you can see it on Apple TV, MLS Season Pass, We'll be back with LAFC goalkeeper, Maxime Crapo. We'll talk about his incredible performance. And yes, I will bring up penalties because we have to, because it might happen. That is coming up next on Inside LAFC Podcast. We are back here on Inside LAFC Podcast. And look who has joined me. How about seven save Maxime Crapo? Look at you, Maxi! top of the world. Uh, well, everything is fine today, this
2: morning. <laughs> and so now it's going to be uh, recovering and shifting gears onto uh, to Houston this weekend.
0: Fantastic. We'll, we'll certainly preview the Western Conference final. Uh, coming off, uh, really has to be called a famous win against the Sounders. And it was a, a little different LAFC. You prepared with the game plan. And we heard from Ryan Hollingshead afterwards, about what they wanted to take away from the Sounders, what was the, what was the game plan? Because we saw some some long range shots taking away things from the Sounders. How they can get into the area that you guys were able to execute? What was the priorities from from that defensive game plan? Uh, you know, obviously, game home and away, uh,
2: we don't want to change too much, but sometimes we got to adjust into uh, into the reality where uh South team at home they've been uh, clinical in the past years especially in the playoff when they receive teams and so uh, we need a different approach and it worked where uh, we were a bit deeper a bit lower uh, and uh, we, we played the counterattack at the multiple times and this is how we 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 scored and then he was able to get a breakaway uh, but we knew that there was some heat uh, coming our way and so we just needed to close the middle defend the crosses and the cover back well and then after that, uh, on the ball, keep it and, uh, and capitalize on the occasion that we will have.
0: You certainly limited the amount of chances that they were going to have, especially for team, the way they were playing, the way they were gunning at you guys. Your interventions, though, certainly had to come up huge. A variety of saves, uh, certainly the one at the beginning of uh, Jordan Morris. There was some deflected ones late from long range. Uh, let's let's go through some of those saves. And uh, where were the spots, the, the, the points of emphasis – for you, knowing where these chances, obviously the Jordan Morris one was a break, and and Georgia was able to push him alongside. But looking through the saves you had to make, where were those points of emphasis for you? Um, yeah, uh, as you mentioned,
2: uh, the the one with Jordan was a breakaway, uh, and it was really stand tall and be as patient as I can to to react to the ball, uh, either for a shot like he did, or if he was coming around me, uh, it's it's difficult for us to. So wait as long as you can and stay as alert as you can uh, until the striker makes a decision. And the other actions were obviously traffic in front of you. So a lot of bodies, a lot of uh, numbers, and movement. And so uh, it was literally being patient, knowing that you need to be in a, in a good position to be re- to, to react to either a cross, a cutback or a shot from these type of angles. Uh, but... It's literally you focusing on on the ball and nothing else, uh, making sure that you're in a good position to to react to any of those situations.
0: And, and one of those shots came off uh, Kellen Acosta, correct? So you had to play a deflection there.
2: Uh, yeah, Ruznak, uh took a nice strike and it went off to the tip of uh, of Kellen's foot, which uh, he did really well because uh, he limited uh, he limited an angle on, on on the on the goal, if I could say. So uh I appreciate it so much when my guys put a foot or a body or anything in front of that of that ball. and so he uh, did really well and uh, at this point I just had to to react to that ball coming yes
0: Maxine, we were we' were watching their in press row and just blown away by how sharp you looked physically and mentally. It's hard not to think about what happened a year ago. and I'm curious if you were 100. That MLS Cup at kickoff, how close are you to that percentile? Uh, based on how you played uh, against the Sounders, where it looked like everything was clicking for you,
2: yeah. Well, I feel really well, I feel really good. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying my football uh, as well. So, um, the games that I had with lfc 2 this is where I was getting my momentum back, and I was seeing. Uh, uh the the action that i've missed for uh, 10 months plus and then when i uh joined the first team uh, with uh with the last stretch of the season basically uh, i really took my um i really took my my momentum and my rhythm with me and uh feeling more and more comfortable obviously between the pipes but uh, as of now i feel really good and uh the, the the focus is is on the mission to get two more any minutes uh this is all it is at the end of the day it's uh taking care of of business uh this saturday which uh houston is a good team they're there for a reason uh i think they they have a great chemistry and they've been connected really well and this is why we uh we will face them uh, this saturday
0: i was gonna even say but with everything you're doing you're working the refs pretty well Yeah. the Great conversation with Ted Uncle there. Was he just saying, Hey, be careful how much time you take? Um,
2: I, yeah, well, yeah, um, with the, yeah, on the field, there's a lot of conversation, uh, <laughs> on girls because sometimes it happens, but uh, listen, uh, sometimes you gotta make sure that you manage uh, the clock, you manage the minutes, especially in a game like this. Um, wow. I didn't expect, uh, to. <laughs> To get a yell because I have my water bottles in the mid, in midfield,
0: but uh, I was looking out for the guys, making sure that they they are hydrated. <laughs> Beautiful, well played, Maxime. It worked perfectly, and uh, it was a, a famous win indeed. I, I, I gotta say, but just being there, it was like thirty five thousand. That's a no, that's a crowd that can get under people's skins. They don't lose uh, a lot of games at home, and certainly in the postseason, they're are uh, meticulous, but just dealing with that and being able to, to understand that you are in, you know, a, a, an atmosphere unlike any other late Sunday, chilly evening in Seattle. I mean, what was it like for you absorbing all that and knowing that you guys, it wasn't 2022 where you're on the playoffs at home. This is a different test altogether.
2: Yes. Uh, you know, lumenville is a great place. Uh, it holds the sound really well. Uh, and the people who are involved in the game; uh, they really push their their own team. And so, um, getting into these environments, uh, Carlos have said it: where if you want to go all the way, you got to beat these uh, these circumstances. And uh, we were about to, uh, able to push it through. Um, I don't care how it looks. At some point, some games like this, you need to get it done, and we managed to do it. And uh, we need to understand that, is that at the end of the day, at this point in the season, it's about getting uh, the result, yes.
0: Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, Max, and in the eyes of the LAFC supporters and the players. I can speak on behalf of the supporters because I talked to them afterwards. Chef's kiss. Very, very nicely done. And the payoff is a Western Conference final against the Dynamo. You touched on them a little bit. And it's not just playing the Dynamo, but you get to play at BMO Stadium, which is obviously important for you guys. But it's important for the club. It's a chance to re-energize the support here in so many ways and open the the building one more time, which is huge. So this was a huge win, and the Sounders, I'm sure, are thinking the same thing if they could play it here. You guys get through, and you know, I think something that I'm sure you'll hear a lot. So I'll, I'll ask it early on here about the Dynamo. Is this is a team that beat? lafc twice this season home and away and you know you're obviously going to look at those games to see and that was a different lafc team, team where it was um the middle of that hectic schedule um but w- how much will you look at those games to see what you can do to prepare for the game plan on saturday
2: yeah as you mentioned, um, they beat us twice this year, which we will look at how it went, where it went uh, wrong in these uh, 290 minutes, but as well as where uh, where could we be better, where could we capitalize? And uh, as you mentioned, it was a phase in our season uh, that was a different reality than where we are at this moment, and uh, we are really happy to, uh, to to go down that ramp at uh, at BMO, honestly. Uh, because we know uh, how important the, the support is, especially here. Obviously, uh, our supporters travels with us. But um, to open the stadium and to pack that thing, uh, it's going to be amazing once again. And uh, obviously, we all know uh, the objective is to, to gain that 90 minutes, to win it, and then to, to go somewhere in, uh, in Ohio uh, for the for last time this season. But we know it's going to be a size season finale in, in Los Angeles. So uh, the, I, I think
0: the table is set, you know what I mean? That'd be a good shirt for MLS Cup somewhere in Ohio, at least for the West, the Eastern final. I, I, you, you've coined it very nicely. Uh, you mentioned the traveling sport. I'm asking this out of, of line, but they were up there in the corner, about 300 LAFC fans. There was a lot more sprinkled around Lumen Field. You guys felt that without question, correct? Oh, yes. Oh,
2: yes. Even though uh, they were really far and all you can't see sometimes, just the spotlights, <laughs> if we know they're there,
0: yes. And we did they- hear they were the only ones in the upper bowl. The upper bowl was closed by design, the Sounders, and you had the, the fans up there, so they had they were isolated for sure, but certainly were heard. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, Maxime, let me ask you about, you know, this is a, a one-off game just like the Sounders game. It'll be determined in 90 minutes, so there'll be extra time and potentially penalties. How much has... Uh, penalties been something you guys are, are preparing, you in particular, who have made some penalty saves in this postseason when you played against, or certainly at the end of the regular season, pardon me, when you played the Whitecaps.
2: Yes, uh, it's part of uh, of a possibility. Uh, it's part of the game. Uh, obviously, the, the goal is to end it in 90, uh, but uh, we know all know at this point how we went last year in the, in the in the MS Cup final. You can go all the way down to the wire and so, uh, obviously, you can look at the tendencies uh, in the previous. I know they went uh, against Casey. I don't know why I was saying against Salt Lakes. I apologize. Uh, they had a session of, uh, of PKs in the best of three in the first round. And so, obviously, you look at tendencies sometimes who took the most PKs in the regular season, where they go, all that stuff. Uh, but at the end of the feeling, it's also a personal feeling, a personal decision. Uh, but as I mentioned, uh, you got to trust her gut as well, and you got to trust her gut, and you got to feel the moment. And so, uh, I think it's just a mix of all these things, uh, to be honest with you, that uh, that makes a decision once uh, the kicker arrives.
0: It's a unique. Well, what do you make? I mean, Steve Clark, you mentioned he's had success in the playoffs, and penalties. He did it, I think, in the uh, the League's Cup as well. But this is a guy who is is going to be a, a very, even though you won't see him through the ninety minutes. Uh, This is a guy who has had a a really good uh, campaign and big part why the Dynamo are here. Yes, uh,
2: you know, uh, four four teams left. And uh, at this point, every guy played his role. Every guy had to play his role. And uh, anytime uh, one of us four goalkeepers for the four teams needs to, answer the call, if if maybe. And so uh, we got to be able to, Keep the team uh, in the games or, or give a team a chance to win. Uh, I always said that good goalkeepers, when you go out and there's a game that you could potentially lose because of stats or whatever you want to look at it, uh, a good goalkeeper or a goalkeeper that will do his job is the one that uh, will transform a possible tie into a win or a possible lose into a tie. And uh, just gain these points over over a period of time on a 34 season regular season games, or or pass the next round into into the playoffs.
0: Getting the job done and making the difference in those really tight spots. Two more wins, uh, and you guys can uh, defend that trophy. This has got to be very exciting. I know the guys are are excited about this week. Good luck, uh, Maxime, in your preparations, and we're so excited to see you on Saturday. Thank you. Uh two more. That's all I have to say. Two, two, more. M- two more. Two more. There he's the man has said it. Two more. And we'll see what we can do. Maxime Crapo joining us here on Inside LAFC podcast. They're getting ready. Make sure you get out to the stadium to watch the guys go back to back, potentially a huge moment for the club. Uh, at LAFC.com is where you can get all that ticket information. We'll be back here for Inside LAFC and have all of the road to MLS Cup covered here. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Reminder, rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend. Two more.